This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. How are we all doing today? Great. If, uh, if I've not had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Pete, and I'm one of the leaders here of, uh, of Life Church. And I'm really excited about this morning's uh, message. Um, and uh, I have a bit of a, a go-to kind of quote, or a bit of a go-to question, and it's going to be on the screen. And it's from um, this Christian thinker, Christian leader from the 20th century, a guy called A.W. Tozer. I have to confess, I don't know what the A.W. stands for. If you do, you can come and tell me. But he's a famous Christian thinker, leader from the 20th century. And he says this, the single most important thing that you can think about, or what comes into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. I say that again. What comes into our minds, so I'll ask you the question, don't shout out, but I'll ask you the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God? Dan's already shouting out, okay. What comes into your mind, what images, what words, what metaphors, maybe what stories, what events, what experiences come to your mind when you think about God? And my argument, or, or for me, this has become a bit of a kind of a, a window into life, is that shapes everything about how, who you are and how you live your life. How we see God impacts how we see everything else. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want you to think about that today. What comes into your mind, your imagination, when you think about God, when you imagine God, when you remember the God that you've known your whole life, maybe. What stories, what images, what metaphors come to your mind when you think about God? I would argue that's the most important thing about you. That shapes everything else about who you are. And here's how I see God. In the beginning, the divine dance, the holy trinity, the divine harmony, Father, Son, and Spirit went beyond themselves with creative energy. To fill every dark space and every dark place with their love and light and goodness. And they've never stopped. The God who is mission continues to fill empty lives with his life. And fills dark and broken spaces with his love and goodness. The God who is mission embodied his dream in his son. His image, Jesus the Christ. The living, active mission of God. And he invites us all to be led by his spirit to continue filling every dark space and every dark place with his love and light and goodness. Jesus embodies the mission of God and invites us, his church, to embody it too. That's how I see God, the God who is on mission, not the God who is distant, not the God who is passive, not the God who used to be good but has become forgetful. I believe in a God who is on mission. And from the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they went beyond themselves in this creative energy to fill every dark space and every dark place with themselves, with their nature, with their character, with love and goodness and light. And I believe they've never stopped. And here's what I also believe, is that we get to join in. Like this is what God is like. This is what God is up to. And we get to participate. We get to join in in the mission of God. And the mission of God is embodied in the person of Jesus. You know, Jesus the Christ. And so in John, in John's gospel, chapter 4, 
we're going to see the mission of God embodied in Jesus. John 4, and it's going to be on the screen. If you want to read along in your Bible, it's John chapter 4, verse 4. And we're going to read a a chunk of a story here about Jesus' interaction with an outsider. And it starts here. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, every now and then, as I tell this story, I'm going to pause. Is that okay? I'm going to pause and just give us some context or something helpful about this story. So it says here, he had to go through Samaria. So when, when I read a story like this, I ask questions like, where is Samaria? Or who were these people? So in Samaria lived the people called the Samaritans. And if, if you've read any of the uh, gospel stories before, you may have heard of the Good Samaritan. In this story, we're going to be introduced to the Samaritan woman. So we, we hear these people, the Samaritans. We hear their names mentioned often. And the Samaritans are kind of the near enemies of the Jews. They have this old shared heritage. They have this old shared history. They have a similar worldview, a similar ideology. But over the centuries, they've kind of drifted apart, you know, like a warring family, like cousins that have drifted apart. Think Six Nations. Think Burnley Blackburn. Think Manchester Liverpool. You know, think these kind of places where there's a shared heritage, a similar identity, you know, a similar story, a similar worldview, a similar ideology. But somewhere along the line, they've drifted apart and they've become these near enemies. And it also says in the text that he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee. John 4 verse 1 tells us that, that he was going from Judea to Galilee. And going through Samaria was the most convenient route. So if you were going on your GPS and you were going from Judea to to Galilee, that is the quickest and the easiest way to go. But if you were a good Jew and Jesus was a good Jew, then you you would have avoided Samaria. You know, you would have gone, you would have not wanted to have entered Samaria. But the Bible says, I love this line, he had to go. He had to go through Samaria. And as we unpack this story, we'll see, was there maybe something on Jesus' divine radar? You know, was there an event? Was there a person where Jesus was like, I have to go? It's maybe not the most appropriate place to go. Maybe it's not the place where other people would think I should go, but I have to go to Samaria. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jacob, you may have heard of Jacob before. Jacob's a really important character in the Bible. He's the father of the nation Israel. Actually, Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and it means one who struggles with God, uh, or one who walks with God. And so Jacob became the father of the nation. He had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. So this place, this location is special for two reasons. One, It's a place where Jacob, the father of the nation, uh, built this well. And two, it's a well. It's a source of water. Remember, people don't have taps in their homes. They don't have uh, access to water in their own homes. This is a place for the whole community to come and drink uh, and get provision. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And this is my last little pause for a while. Why this detail? I love in scripture where we get these little details. I'd encourage you, whenever you're reading the Bible, watch out for these details. When it mentions a location, when it mentions a person, when it mentions a day of the week, when it mentions a time of the day, ask yourself the question, why this detail? Why is it telling us this? Why noon? 
Well, here may be a reason why noon. In a moment, we're going to meet a character that the Bible calls a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman, as we're going to see in this story, is a bit of an outsider in her community. It was the role of women to come and gather the water, to draw water from the well that would then be a resource for the whole community. And when women came to gather the water, they'd come as a group, they'd come as a collective, partly for protection and partly for that social status. This is something we did together. And they would come in the cool of the day. No, they would come at the beginning of the day or the end of the day because that's when the, the heat was at its least. You know, they'd come when it was least, least hot. This is a hot country. And they don't want to be out in the middle of the day doing this hard work. But here we have a woman coming on her own, coming in at noon, at the heat of the day. Why? Like, why is this woman on her own? Well, we're about to see. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you for a drink, then you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And here's the twist. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I I have no husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. Maybe this is the reason she was othered. You know, maybe this is the reason she was excluded from the social group of women. Maybe this is the reason she's on her own. She's an outcast. She's an outsider. She's of ill repute. You know, she's living in a sense of, with a sense of shame and disgrace in this moment. Woman, Jesus replied. Oh, sorry, the, sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. As we've already said, one, Jews and Samaritans were near enemies. And two, in this culture, a man of Jesus' reputation wouldn't, wouldn't really be seen on his own with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
they came out of the town and made their way, made their way toward him. I love this scene. This woman who had been kind of othered and outcasted and shamed and disgraced by her community is now leading the community toward Jesus. And we'll skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. I love that story. Here's a quick summary of that story. It's an outsider, an outcast that is included. It's the savior of the world pursuing one hurt, lost and broken person. Going out of his way to offer new life. Going out of his way to offer fullness, the transforming power. And then her life is transformed and she goes on to impact the rest of her community. This is the mission of God, embodied by God the Son, and shows us that we all get to join in. This is the mission of God. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, he comes and he goes out of his way to find this shamed, disgraced, outcasted woman, to let her know that she can be part of the kingdom, and then she gets to join in too. We, Life Church, we are a missional community. Are you with me? We are a missional community. We exist not for ourselves, but to transform the world in service to others. Come on, that's who we are. We are a missional community. We exist not just for ourselves, but to transform East Lancashire, to transform your workspace, to transform your school, to transform the world around us in service to others. So for the next few moments, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about, unpack some ideas of what does mission mean? What does mission mean? How do we get to embody it? How do we get to join in? And what are people in our community already involved in? Here's my first idea. That mission means being a blessing. I love in this story in John 4 that Jesus goes out of his way to be a blessing to this lady. To offer her this living water. He comes to her level. A woman drawing water, he talks to her about water. And he offers life in all of its fullness. He offers freedom. He offers transformation. He's seeking to be a blessing to this lady. Blessing is about speaking life. Blessing is not about positive thinking or being nice. Blessing is about speaking the life of heaven. Being a blessing. Right at the beginning of the Bible story in Genesis, we have this character called Abraham. And Abraham is credited as like the father of faith. He's this person who believes God. And God credits that to him as as righteousness. So Abraham is this man who's known as the father of faith. All the great monotheistic religions link back to Abraham. And in Genesis 12, it's said of Abraham that I will bless you. And your blessing is to be a blessing. Here's your blessing, is to be a blessing. I love that. I think we should take a hold of that as a church community. I think that's for us as well, that God blesses us, that God brings his blessing to our lives. But then our blessing is to be a blessing to the world around us. 
Last week on this stage, you heard from our schools team, our brilliant schools team, about what they're up to in this community. And as I said last week, that this church and other churches in this community have been seeking to bless schools, children, and young people for generations. And it's a joy and it's a privilege. You know, why do we, why do we work with young people? Because it's an incredibly formative uh, stage of somebody's life. And we want to be a blessing to schools in our community. As, as many of us know, as a local church, we were instrumental in starting Burnley High School uh, in our community. Why? Because we want it to be a blessing to our community. We want to impact our community. And in just a few months' time, the first ever cohort, the first ever uh, group of Year 11 students at Burnley High School will be taking their GCSEs. And it's really exciting, and uh, there's that nervous excitement, anticipation uh, about it. And I don't know about you, but not just our schools team who do a great job, but I I look at us as a church community and think, how can we be a blessing to that school community, to those first year 11 GCSE students and their teachers and their family as they embark on this massive journey? And then beyond Burnley High School, I think about all the schools in our community, all the other students, students in this room who maybe are getting ready for GCSE, sorry to remind you of that on a weekend, but maybe getting ready for GCSEs or getting ready for A-levels or whatever it might be. How can we be a blessing to schools in our community? Maybe in this room, there are people who make the best brownies in Lancashire. I don't know. Maybe there's people in this room who make the best cakes in Burnley. Maybe you've got like a skill or a gift for just incredibly beautiful handwritten cards, or whatever it might be. And you might be thinking, I would love to give a gift. I'd love to be a blessing to every year 11 student in Burnley or in East Lancashire or in Lancashire. Or maybe even every teacher. I'd love that. There's a church community, we said, how do we bless the schools and the teachers in in our community? Any teachers in the room that would appreciate that? Yes. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing that we were a church that was known to be a blessing to our community? In a few months' time, there's uh, something happening called Teacher Appreciation Week. And I don't think enough is made of it. I think it would be great as a church that we said, during Teacher Appreciation Week, we're going to bless every teacher in Burnley High School, or every teacher in Burnley, or every teacher in East Lancashire, or however far and wide we can go. But mission, mission means being a blessing. After the service in the cafe, uh, where the noise banner is, you can talk to our schools team, you can talk to our youth team. If you've got ideas, if you've got a bit of a a passion, if you've got something you want to see happen to be a blessing to schools or even a blessing to our youth team and our schools team, then please go and talk to them. Do it. Mission means embracing others. Mission means being a blessing, but mission also means embracing others others. In this story in John 4, we see what Jesus does time and time again, where he models embracing others. He models going out of his way to include outsiders. Mission is about embracing others. It's about outsiders included. It's about the ancient art of hospitality. We see that throughout scripture, that mission is about welcoming people. Mission is about embracing others. And in a moment, I'm going to introduce uh, two uh, amazing ladies who are part of uh, this community, part of the wider church community in Burnley, who uh, are part of an organization called New Neighbors Together. Why don't we give them a a round of applause as they come to the stage? Hi, Ruth. Thank you very much. And you brought a balloon. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. So this is Ruth... uh, And then this is Sue. Many of you will know Sue. And Ruth and Sue are part of New Neighbours Together, uh, which seeks to welcome asylum seekers and refugees to Burnley and the area. 
Ruth, here's your microphone and here's your balloon. And so, if I'm honest, one reason I wanted to get Ruth and Sue on stage was to honour them as well uh, for for what they do for our community. Uh, Yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's been a... It's been a joy and a privilege over the, over the years to get to know Ruth and Sue. Obviously, Sue's part of this community too, but to get to know Ruth and see the work of New Neighbours together as they welcome asylum seekers and refugees into Burnley in this area. So, Ruth, tell us. Uh, we love what you do. We love your heart. Tell us, what do you do? What happens at New Neighbours together? Um, well, can I just say thank you so much for inviting me? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, It's a great privilege to be amongst you all and to share fellowship with you and to know that so many Christians are there supporting us. What we do is part of God's mission, we believe, because we welcome the stranger in our gate. We welcome those people who, through no fault of their own, have had to leave everything they possess because of safety issues for themselves or their children, where members of their family may have been killed or they may have been hurt, And they end up in Burnley. And we give them the welcome that we would give to our neighbour. Because we've been told to love our neighbour as ourselves. So we look after asylum seekers and refugees. We have about 130 people in Burnley now. And we just stand in and advocate and help them find schools, help them find doctors, help them with letters, teach English. I don't know how much more to say because I know I haven't got long. That's great. That's cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll come back to you in a minute, Ruth. So, Sue, so Ruth was involved in initiating this work in Burnley. And then, Sue, you met Ruth here at Life Church, and then you decided to volunteer. Tell us what you, what you get up to and, and why. Yeah. Um, my work in the past has been teaching um, and children's activities, really, and taking off things, um, puppets, musical instruments and things around villages in the Cotswolds. Uh, when I came up to uh, Burnley and, well, moved into Clitheroe, um, I did the mission course that Pete did two years running, which was strange, but God prompted me to do it the second year. That's when I met Ruth. So it's been two years, almost to a day, um, that I did the mission course. And, and when Ruth talked about what she needed, it's all of my little jobs and all of my career and all of my training was that was it. So this is what the Lord has been doing. At 62, I'm here now. I've arrived. Yeah. And the wonderful on. thing was, um, because I'm a Christian, obviously, all we have to do is let Jesus in, um, in our hearts to, to love these people. That's all. And he does the rest. And so I'm amazed, really, how much he has used me. And I do lots of lovely activities with the children, um, especially when it's half-term and summer holidays. We have up to, like, 48 children to look after, which is quite hard. Wow. But um, all the puppets and the musical instruments and the craft that I do is lovely. And, um, and I also t- teach ESOL at home. Um, for for a a group of of lovely people. Um, And so I do it because Christ compels me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Sue. And Ruth, you've got to tell us why you've got a balloon. You've got to tell us. Rubbish at this. I'm I'm just rubbish at this. I'm so sorry. I've brought the balloon because we'll be out in the cafe area. And if you see the balloon, come and talk to us. We'll be there if you would like to help. We would love to talk to you. If you feel God is calling you to help, we would love to talk to you. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Alex.
Wonderful. So mission means embracing others. And yeah, in the cafe, um, you can talk to the youth and schools team straight after the service. Get a drink first if you want, then come and talk to them. But then you can also go and talk to Ruth and Sue uh, about new neighbours together. I also want to um, mention something else that a group of uh, women from this church were involved in. They work with SafeNet, uh, with the Women's Refuge. And this is what Trish said to me. The team visit once a month pamper the women and entertain and play with the children. We receive comments like, the atmosphere changes when you are here. I love that. Remember, the mission means embracing others. Mission means hospitality. The staff say that they never get as many in the lounge unless they call an emergency meeting. Ladies say they feel loved and special. We've seen several families join the Life Church family and continue to be supported. The ladies are really open to prayer, filling in requests and sharing answered prayers like homes and jobs found, visas accepted, children reunited, and many more. The work is sometimes challenging, but really rewarding. Can we again, can we honor uh, the ladies who work with SafeNet? That'd be amazing. Thanks, Trish. And again, hopefully you're picking up a theme here, but again, straight after the service, you can go into the cafe and Ruth Randall and some others uh, from the SafeNet team, they'll be there and they can answer questions. If nothing else, please go and encourage them. Pray for them. Show how you can support them. But it might be, again, that you're thinking, I want to get involved. Mission is what God is up to. And and mission is embodied by Jesus. And then Jesus says to each one of us, hey, you get to join in too. You get to join in too. It's not just for people on the stage or people on the platform. It's for everybody. Number three, uh, mission means good news to all. I love that. Mission means good news to all. Can I say this? If it's not good news to all, then I don't think it's good news at all. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) That went differently to how I thought. Yeah. I won't say that again. (laughs) No, that's good, isn't it? If it's not good news, if it's not good news for everybody, it's not good news at all. Here's what what the Bible says. Isaiah uh, 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It's good news for all. It's good news for all people for all time. And again, in this community, uh, we have the, the great work of Spacious Place, uh, Mark and Judith and others, uh, Spacious Place. I love the name Spacious Place. It's a great name. And it's not just a cool name. It's a, it's a great name because it's about this freedom that Jesus brings. That when people uh, get free from uh, whatever's controlling them, they find themselves in this spacious place. They find themselves in a place of opportunity and a place of freedom. You know, Spacious Place was, was born here. Uh, Spacious Place does an incredible work. That's where the food bank, it's not just a food bank, but it's also where the food bank uh, for Burnley is hosted. Some people in this church may have connected with it before. Every Sunday after the service, we have the trolley. And Mark, I was glad to see the trolley's full today. That, that's a good sign. Uh, so every Sunday, the trolley is there. After the service, you can speak to Mark uh, at his food bank trolley before he takes it away uh, about how you can get involved. But here's three ways you can get involved with Spacious Place. Number one, donate food. When you go shopping, buy an extra item um, or an extra 10 items or whatever you can do. But donate food. That is a great way to help the work of Spacious Place. Mark said to me that they need an extra 100 cartons of milk a week, an extra 100 jars of pasta a week, wherever it might be. And again, you could speak to Mark about the kind of items that they need. Finances. 
They spend £200 a week just to keep the, the work going, this vital, crucial work going. Maybe, again, you can speak to Mark about that. And friends. Mark is looking for some friends, people. A spacious place is looking for friends, for ambassadors, people who will say, I'll share that need on social media. I'll go and visit spacious, spacious place furnishing, furnish, furnishings. I'll shop there. I'll send other people there that, that I know need items. You know, I will be a friend. I'll be an advocate for spacious place. So again, in the cafe, you can go and speak to schools team. You can go and speak uh, to new neighbors together, women's refuge, and speak to Mark. But here's the last thing I want to say. Mission. Mission means being a blessing. It means good news to all. Mission means embracing others, hospitality and including others. Mission is about transformation in service to others. But here's the last thing I want to say is that mission means everyone, everywhere, every day. You know, mission, we've talked this morning about a bunch of projects, a bunch of great initiatives, a a bunch of great things that you can volunteer with or give to or serve at. But can I also say this to you, that mission isn't just a project. Mission is everyone. Everyone is included. And it's everywhere. It's not a project you do on a Monday night or it's not an event that you go to once a year. It's everywhere and it is every day. Our devotion to Jesus leads us to reach out to others. That's what it does. This whole service is about, this whole series, sorry, is about devotion. Our devotion to Jesus leads us to reaching out to others. Here's what um, Alan Scott says. He's a church leader, was in Northern Ireland, is now in uh, North America. Here's what Alan Scott says, if I can get that on the screen. It is through us that he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. The divine dream of everything, everywhere, filled with his presence, is released as we unleash, I love that, unleash this community. Everyone, everywhere, every day. So mission, there are projects we can get involved in. Please today, speak to Mark, speak to all these different people. But today, also know this, that mission is you. Mission is everyone is included. The Samaritan woman got to join in with the mission of God. And it's everywhere. It's your place of work. It's your school. It's your family. It's your community. It's everywhere. And it is every day. You may have seen this already, but the leadership team of Life Church, we're sending out an email every week um, that you can receive. Uh, And part of that is to share news, to share information. But we also want to challenge you and encourage you. That in our gathered settings, hopefully you're inspired in these gathered settings and, and encouraged. But in our day-to-day settings, that we're encouraged and inspired to be fully devoted followers of Christ, to transform the world around us. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.